0: Welcome to the Nine Moms Podcast. My name is Phineas and this is my mama's
1: podcast and, and here she is. In today's episode we hear from Rebecca who will be sharing the birth story with her little girl girlfriend back in the UK and Rebecca will share with us her long conception journey, how she struggled to get pregnant and how she had IVF, several rounds, we'll talk about miscarriage, we'll talk about chemical pregnancy, we'll talk about having a preemie, we'll talk about help syndrome, c-section, all of these things that um, uh, a long journey of trying to conceive a child will will be about and Rebecca not only shares her long journey with us towards conceiving Fern but also we share a lot of laughs in this story, we share a lot of things that are very honest and sometimes brutally honest and um, we talk about allowing ourselves to to grieve the things that maybe didn't happen the way we wanted them to go in our lives Um, and And it's a very important story. So thank you so much for sharing this story with us, Rebecca. And I'm sure it will be serving as a support for anyone going through the same out there. And just a little note as well, before we begin, when we recorded this episode, Rebecca was in Auckland, in New Zealand, and I was here in Prague, in the Czech Republic, so halfway across the world from each other, sometimes the sound is not really following, but I am sure you'll be able to hear well anyway. I hope you guys enjoy listening. Let's get into today's story. Hi Rebecca, welcome to the Nine Months podcast. Thank you for for trusting me with your with your birth story today. Thank you for the invitation. Um, would you like to start by introducing yourself and who is in your family and what you guys are doing?
0: Yeah, so my name is Rebecca, and um, my husband—that's me—and my husband, and just the one six-year-old daughter, Fern, who is. Um, yeah my bit of a miracle baby and we are living in New Zealand.
1: Oh that's great but Um, you guys are from you're from the UK originally right?
0: Well I'm from the UK and my husband is Irish and we of course met you whilst living in Prague so we're fairly international. My poor daughter having moved here would, would be asked well where are you from Fern and she would be like well, that's a very tricky question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know I think the same about my children sometimes. I don't know what they're gonna what they're gonna answer. They're not old enough but, yet
0: <laughs> I mean, child, child, child of the world well, just go with it.
1: Write it out, child of the world <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> great. So uh, let's start with your journey to becoming pregnant with Fern. Did you guys plan to have a baby and how did you find oh. out?
0: It was well. My journey was a very, very long and miserable one. Um, I have one child because that's that's all we ended up with after a, you know a decade of trying, and there was a lot of loss and heartbreak along the way. Um, yeah. I we in the end over over the years we had 12 IVF. Um, a number of chemical pregnancies, missed miscarriage. Um, and Fern is, Fern is my miracle on the, what was she, fifth or sixth IVF. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it was, I sometimes think, I sometimes think I'm still in post-traumatic stress. Occasionally it comes over me when other people have babies. And I think it's still a grief that I need to process. And even though I know I'm so lucky to have Fern, um it's it's hard for some reason now she's really why haven't I got a brother why haven't I got a sister um you know she would like she would like to have a playmate when she was younger she really didn't mind um and now she she kind of does she wants one and um that's been that's been really quite quite tough actually um but but you know I just sort of I sort of explained to her and I said you know you you had I had a bit I had a boy and and he died when he was in my tummy and you know I kept trying and kept trying even after I had you to have a have a sibling because I wanted that for you because I have three sisters so I desperately wanted that for her because they're the most important people in my life but well, in the end I just have sort of had to tell her you know she is so so important and I'm so lucky to have her so yeah I mean we we kind of you know we've been trying for five years by the time we finally got pregnant with Fern and she so I'd I'd have I'd had an IVF sorry I'd had a was a frozen embryo transfer that one Um, and it was quite amusing because uh, I was a bit I was a bit kind of over it we'd had the loss and we'd had some more failures and um, we'd been out cycling in Richmond Park and my husband for some godforsaken reason I don't know what he was trying to do was chasing me down the road on the bike and he basically knocked me off my bike and I was so badly bruised and shocked and the ambulance came and took me into the hospital and and um, we kind of we kind of think that it was only the impact of the accident that actually made this one implant that's our that's our kind of Implantation yeah. story that my husband knocking me off my bike is the only reason, and I sort of started <laughs> bleeding at that time, and just sort of assumed that it was yeah just another disaster, same as usual. But but no, she stuck around. Um, so we we found out because we went to the clinic and had a blood test. Um, the whole the whole pro, I mean, it was it was it was horrible, and I because because I'd had positives and losses the positive wasn't was very marred um you know I mean every day was do you know what six years later I'm still terrified if she sleeps in I'm still terrified she's dead it's horrible thing I've spoken to my sisters and they say the same thing so it's not it's not just my whole kind of disastrous um conception no. experience I gather other moms are the same
1: <laughs> yes exactly no Rebecca that that is what I yeah I also do that I go check if they're breathing at night before I go to sleep you know <laughs> so I think everybody does that but yeah
0: my uh, my younger sister has three and uh, she sort of works on the basis so I explored this with her and she sort of says this hey, me I always work on the basis that I'll be much better equipped to deal with their death if I've had a cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's she's got three, she's got spares, you know.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think it's a constant thing that parents just think about, you know, it's because I think we just have something that's so precious to us. And just a thought of losing it is is unbearable, you know. And I think that's it is, not it? Yeah, it's just a parent anxiety that comes with having children. I think it never goes away. No, <laughs>
0: not not even for my poor mother about me at forty six. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. So, when did well, you feel? Did you feel ever during pregnancy that you were like on the safe side, so to speak, or what was it just?
0: You I know, mean, when you know, when we saw the heartbeat at kind of eight weeks, that was you know a huge relief. And you know, when we got to 12 weeks, that was another huge relief. Um, so you know, I think once we've got sort of got past the first trimester, I think the first, the first kind of 10 weeks, you know, post-positive pregnancy tests were just hell, hell on earth, you know, every day I was just terrified. Um, And then I think there's that whole kind of blooming, you know, second trimester, you're feeling pretty good, the nausea's gone, you've kind of, you're starting to, I don't know, starting to feel pregnant and feel a bit more confident in that. Um, So I think I relaxed a bit during the second trimester. Um, I never really I never really felt her move very much. So, when fairly early on, I had placenta previa, and actually the placenta grew up the front of my abdomen. So I was never very aware of her movements. Um, so I got one of those, you know, Doppler monitors, so I could obsessively check. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what, what was any yeah. repeated pattern of obsessive checking this poor child she's going to grow completely psychotic with a mother like me don't worry mummy. she calls out i am still breathing thank you Fern. thanks for just checking in with that <laughs>
1: oh that's sweet <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah so, so yeah, things sort of relaxed relaxed a bit then um
1: did you have placenta previa for the full was it for the full pregnancy or um was it just just for a little while did it move Well
0: the placenta previa did kind of move away from the off so um but then she was breech so we went from placenta previa to to breech and I I you know I ended up with the um with a expedited cesarean so um, whilst i did all of the i did the hypnobirthing and the nct and i had you know great plans to meditate my way through my my birth um it was never looking particularly promising she got in there completely artificially and she was taken out completely artificially yeah (laughs) i was kind of resigned you know I did the hypnobirthing. I'm, I'm a big meditator anyway, and you know, I, I don't know. When it when it came down to it, I was kind of like, God, you know what? As long as she gets out safe, I don't really really mind. There was no there was no choice involved because I I said ah, I went to IKEA. I went to IKEA buy some wrapping paper. Yeah, you know? why I was I like going for wrapping paper and all this, No idea. Anyway, um. <laughs> July anyway went to, went to went to Ikea I was on the way back and I started getting you know pain abdominal pains. So I stopped at my sister's because I couldn't drive anymore and I was like this isn't good and then I went to I went home and I kind of lay in the bath and I was in so much pain and I was kind of like this is not right because it was too high up I'm like this isn't contractions I'm pretty sure this isn't so I did eventually call the NHS and they were like I think you should just come in so I came in and you know I was vomiting and I was quite quite unwell. And they were like, oh, I just don't know what's wrong. And there was fetal distress, and so it was. I was in for about twenty four hours, and I was getting ready to go home when they were like, just waiting for one more blood test. I put blood test back and went. They're not going anywhere. You're having a cesarean section as soon as the uh, surgery opens in the morning. You've got help syndrome. So, oh. um, big people aren't necessarily. It's it's hemolysis which is like the shredding of the blood cells and elevated liver enzymes so my all my liver enzymes have gone awry and um, low platelets so my yeah basically my immune system yeah my liver was shredding shredding blood cells and I was kind of going going into crisis so they're like
1: oh we're just gonna whip that one out oh wow and how many weeks were you at this point so I was thirty. I was thirty-five weeks at that point. Thirty-five. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: So um, I spent another night in hospital and was like, first in the queue for delivery" the next morning. Um, so, mm. yeah, she was she was cut out <laughs> in a very, yeah. in glamorous way.
1: <laughs> yeah, and how did that feel? Did you did you feel like okay, I'm prepared for this, or was it a complete? Um, I don't know. Complete shock that you would have a cesarean, or or how did you go I, into that? I think because I had
0: previa, and because my baby was breech, and because she was an IVF baby anyway, I kind of given up on the whole earth mother approach that I thought I might. Want. When I began wanting to have mm-hmm. a baby, I wanted to concede through intercourse and deliver vaginally. And, you know, I had these all these you know, glorious thoughts about how it could be. And, you know, by the time I was, you know, suffering with help syndrome, I was just like, can we, can we get her out alive? Because that's really all that matters at this point. <laughs> so it was it was it was fine. It was it was life of me and baby. So there's, there's no kind of. Yeah, we were just incredibly grateful
1: yeah of course she
0: came out and you know she was in respiratory spiritual depe- distress so she wasn't breathing properly so they took her off to um neonatal intensive care unit and um then my blood pressure went up more and more it didn't come down after delivery so then I was in the adult intensive care unit and um so it, was, it wasn't a dream delivery as such I would say but um but you know it was the the uh they pumped me for, you know, she actually came back reasonably quickly. They got, they got her breathing and they brought her back to me and I was able to do the skin to skin around all the tubes and catheters and things. And mm. um, she, they, uh, they had to infuse me with, oh, what is it, magnesium sulfate, a fairly oh. unpleasant medicine. So I was wired up for quite a long time to try and get my blood pressure down.
1: Yeah, you get quite happy um, from magnesium, don't you? Just a little bit. You
0: know, the world
1: spinning. Yeah, That's what I've heard anyway,
0: it's a it's a very weird, yeah, a very weird substance. So, mm. um, but yeah, I mean, at that point, I was, you know, she was alive, I was alive, all all was well. The blood pressure did come down, and you know, I got, I just got to, got to be with her, and it didn't didn't matter how she'd come out, it didn't matter how she got in there. You know, mm. it was just wow Um, and I was yeah so so pleased to and the one thing you know we just started doing the breastfeeding and I was so lucky that was the one thing that I could actually do you know my breasts are pathetic things but I could actually make milk and you know she she latched on and I saw so many of my friends going through hell with trying to, to breastfeed and with sores and mastitis and milk supply issues and all manner of, of problems. And that was the one thing that worked for us. So that was absolutely lovely. And I think that, you know, that I was so privileged to be able to do that. I would not have, I would not have given up all the IBS in the world to, if I couldn't have, um, you know, just to be able to give her that nourishment from me. yeah Yeah. I got to carry her and I got to breastfeed her and yeah for that most most of that journey was amazing
1: yeah for sure (laughs) Uh, that sounds wonderful and and um and how was postpartum then because she was born at 35 weeks would you did you have to stay longer at the hospital or how was all of that
0: we had to stay in quite a long time, but that was mostly because of me. She was all right from there, but I had to spend a week, um, a week on the ward while they monitored me. So I mean that was sort of I don't know, it was it's a it's a busy ward at a an NHS hospital and I was in a high dependency unit, I guess. Um mm. so it the it was kind of a, a room with six six beds and babies and people coming in and out in emergencies all night night long so it was it was kind of chaotic but you know you just had a bed i had a bed by the window and and i had fun and you know my mom and dad came to visit my sisters came to visit and my husband came to visit and um Quite interesting, because in in Chinese medicine, they talk a lot. I'm a practitioner of Chinese medicine. And we talk a lot about, you know, the idea of this sort of 40 days of lying in, um, that a woman should have that 40 days of rest. And, you know, that was never going to happen wherever I was. But actually, to be enforced to have a week where I did nothing but lie with my baby was probably actually... A really good thing for me because you know, as soon as I was out of that hospital, I was like, "Sarzarian, so be bothered! I'm, you know, I'm picking up my 24 kilogram bugaboo despite the uh despite yeah. the stitches in my abdomen and putting it in the walking <laughs> about and just going back to crazy life as normal." So I think I was, I was still, I was still quite blessed actually just to have been forced to lie down and do nothing for a week with her.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think every mother should. I know I had that with my second because he was born at home and the midwife just as he was born and and I'd held him for like an hour or something then my second child my older boy he woke up and he was like mama I need you you know so I hand off this this new baby to my husband. And I go, I walk over to this four-year-old and I pick him up. <laughs> and my my midwife was horrified. And she's like, you are not allowed to do that. You have to lie down and just, you know, and for 30 days, she was like, "I'm I'm challenging you for 30 days. I think I made it for like 12. And then I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> but I wish I would. I wish I would have. Now, when I think about it, I wish I would have laid down for at least a couple of more weeks, you know,
0: it's a cultural thing, though, because you're, you're the same as, you know, we didn't have, I mean, whilst my mom and dad had come back to France to visit, it's not like they were ever going to move in with me and cook all my meals and do the housework. And I think it's quite different if you have family who all live in your village who will, who will come to you and they will prepare your meals and they will look after your health and they will meet your every need. Yeah. Um probably neither you or i could still still could actually do that but you know you don't you kind of can't do it when you've got a house a house to run and and other people to look after and other things to do i think yeah. very very hard
1: it is very hard it's um, very hard i think that the most appreciated you know gifts or whatever that people bring over once you have a child is those few friends that came over with a few cooked meals and put them in my freezer that was the most appreciated thing because I could just pull something out of the freezer and just heat it up and then the entire family had a meal and that was it you know Um, yeah so I always think about that whenever I have a friend who's had a baby I'm like I'm gonna cook something I'm gonna put it in their freezer
0: (laughs) yeah because you don't there is no time you are so busy just feeding feeding the child to feeding the child changing the child and trying to get them to sleep and yeah and yeah the the whole nourishing yourself whilst you are still giving so much of yourself just doesn't really happen
1: does it yeah definitely definitely
0: <laughs> kind of like I would just eat a biscuit and brush the crumbs off their head whilst they're suckling away trying to somewhere between sleep <laughs> and feeding <laughs>
1: And then you're like, I, um, if somebody sees me now. <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah. Licking
0: digestive off my be- newborn baby's head, washing exactly. my breath.
1: <laughs> exactly. I think everybody's gone through that for sure. Yeah. It's the beauty of it, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, did you feel then, you know, when, when Fern was born, you felt, um, you know, obviously you had a really happy outcome of. Of, of years of trying to have a baby, mm-hmm. and then um, is there anything you want to share from from the journey after Fern was born?
0: Oh, I mean, she was she was amazing, and and like I said, I wanted to have another. And after about probably was, was it kind of eighteen months, two years, we went back into more cycles of IVF to try try again, mm-hmm. and it's probably probably the hardest thing because I had to stop breastfeeding um, because of all the hormonal changes of of, of the, the stimulation and stuff. And so I kind of stopped breastfeeding her before I really wanted to, um, mm. to sort of do that, do that treatment. And that for me was quite a sad thing. It would have been worth it had it worked. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, hell, she got, she got breastfed a lot longer than a lot of babies do, but I was, in many ways I was quite happy breastfeeding her but then on the on the contrary side she'd started to get that kind of you know she was like 18 months or two years I can't remember now but she's starting to be that kind of like I would like to have breastfed her you know first thing in the morning last thing at night in the privacy of bed and she was kind of like when you were out there's this massive child yes. basically clawing clawing at your clothes to try and get in and you're like each Eat your breadstick now, Phoebe. Eat your breadstick now, and she's like. Ah! <laughs> also, I was sad to lose that morning evening thing. I wasn't sad.
1: <laughs> we didn't have this yeah. fight every time we were out, and she was hungry. Right, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, no, I mean, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, to the, every every day is every day remains an absolute pleasure. Um, and yeah so I think you know we we sort of gave up trying probably only a few years ago now Yeah, you know, we still we were still doing ideas when we were in Prague and I think probably you know I just turned 45 and I, it's it's sort of weird it's like I finally have to sort of face that grief you know I've kind of got to face up to it and it's mm-hmm. I, like I say, she's she's started. We've got sort of close friends who've just had a baby, and and yeah, it still hurts. I think it it still really hurts. Yeah. Um. It's um. It's it's one at some point that I've got to find a way to. I and mean, like I say, yeah, I I know how absolutely blessed I am, and I know how many people that I have treated over the years who who never got to have their own biological child or who never got to have a child. So mm. I, you know, I'm aware of how incredibly lucky I am. Um, but then I also feel like I, I missed out as well. You know, I missed out on that sibling relationship for her. I missed out on getting to do it more than once because it goes by so incredibly fast. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm, I know the second one will go through, go go through even faster. I'm
1: yes, about not
0: having enough time, and you know, looking back in ten years and going, which child was that anyway? Did we take that one or did we take another one? <laughs> so yeah, I get one, and I get to absolutely treasure her and know that everything I've done was definitely with this one because I've just got the one. <laughs>
1: yeah, goodness, yeah.
0: But uh, yes, there's still
1: there's still a sort of a great sadness. And I think, I think we should, we should, you know, allow ourselves to feel, to feel sad about it, even if we, you know, we've been blessed with one, maybe we wanted 10 and we're allowed to be, you know, we were allowed to feel sad and, and to grieve those babies that we didn't have. Like I, I've had this discussion a lot with my sister because she, she had one and then struggled for a very long time with um, something that they call let's see what what do they call it in Swedish it's like um, unknown infertility they didn't really know why like a secondary infertility Um, because the first one that they had just you know just happened and then the second one they tried for years and didn't happen and and then she was saying that you know she was treated by by doctors like well you have one you should be happy about that and move on with your life but Mm -hmm. she was like but I'm I'm allowed to want more children I'm I'm allowed to have to have these hopes and dreams and and um, yeah finally she had a second one and 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 it turned out that that was a happy happy ending I guess for her but but the discussion then that we would have is that it's okay you know we are allowed to Mm -hmm. to grieve even though you know we are we we got we got something. Do you know what I mean?
0: There's so much, so much shame and so much grieving, and you know, the what what you wanted and and what actually turned out, and I like there's all the I so many women have lost babies, and the funny thing is, I lost a baby. My husband really didn't, mm. which I find really interesting. He grudgingly sort of accepts that I lost one. But for him, he didn't. Yeah, really? it, 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 it doesn't. Yeah, for him, it was just kind of like, oh yeah. So you, would I don't know. He he doesn't. He finds it really weird that I have told my daughter that she that we had a had a little boy who didn't survive. She he. I think he finds that really odd because um, he just doesn't acknowledge that at all. Um, as far as he's concerned, it was never really a baby. It was never. Um, yeah, it, it never got big enough for him to consider it worth <laughs> no acknowledging. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, that that uh, you we don't we don't 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 grieve it. My sister said to me because she had a lot of my very oldest sister had a lot of miscarriages, and she sort of said, "Well, have you named him?" I was like, "No." Oh, did you have a ceremony for him? No, I had to collect the tissue and take it for genetic sampling you know that right. was, that was yeah. the closest that we got because you know it was kind of like it was a missed miscarriage and so they had mm. to they, they basically give me the gave me the retained products of conception aka my baby um and you know put it in a pot and told me I needed to deliver it for genetic testing to see if that was why he had failed to thrive which is how we know he was a boy because he got the genetic analysis back and and those he was perfectly normal. Um, but yes, it's this sort of they the things the things that you're are so hidden that you're not not meant to grieve. And and really interestingly, a friend of mine, I was talking to her about it. And she has two. She had one through natural conception and a second um, actually through IVF. And she's quite the reverse because she almost grieves her second. Yeah. You know? Because her first turns out to have a lot of additional needs. And she feels like she she pushed so hard for that second. And she can't ever give her the life that she wanted because she's always playing second fiddle to the child that needs them so much more. And mm-hmm. so she's
1: got kind of the opposite grief of me. She grieves having had the second child. <laughs> yeah. I guess this is the whole thing of parenting, you know, uh, even if I have two very healthy boys, I guess sometimes I can, you know, also grieve the time that I'm not that I'm missing with Phineas, but with the stuff that we used to do before, before he had a brother, you know, (laughs) if I can say that it's, it's, you know, it's to, to a degree for everybody, Mm -hmm. these things. And I think I think sometimes it's stigmatized to talk about it because we're just supposed to be so happy about what we have and what, you know, and celebrate what, what is good in life. But also we, we forget that it's, that it's okay to, do you know, grieve the things that, that maybe didn't go our way or, or talk about the things that sometimes in society we don't talk about, you Mm -hmm. know?
0: one of one of the things that I, I constantly amuse me as I treated people in, in clinic is like there's the working mothers who grieve the time without their children and there's the stay at home mothers who grieve the time that they do not get to um have any adult time or sense of sense of uh, self, you know, aside from being a mother. And then there's the people who do part time of each. Yeah. <laughs> who have who have it who have it both ways <laughs> I, gr- I grieve not being at the school gate every day and I grieve not being myself
1: <laughs> exactly it's yeah it's how it goes it's how it goes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there's yeah.
0: definitely no right answer except no, possibly being isn't. a man who just goes to work and goes oh I'm done <laughs> not stuff yeah. for the day What's for dinner <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that we just have to do, you know, the best that we can to the best of our abilities. And then, and then the rest is sort of up to, to the universe or or whatever, whatever we call it, you know, yeah. we can, we can just try to do our best. And that's, that's it, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, my birth story, you know, my conception story was a, a probably don't want to swear, but a disaster. My pregnancy, pretty touch and go. I've been looking at, I've been writing um, writing a, a course on gynecology and I've been writing about um epigenetics and you know the profound influences of not only your own um you know your own environment for the embryo to develop in actually how the cells are affected by your grandmother but your own environment I was like that anxiety that I experienced in those first 12 weeks have I permanently broken her with my ridiculous cortisol levels but, oh, no. oh, she's gonna be permanently damaged by the anxiety
1: that I had about trying to keep her alive <laughs> from my intrauterine cortisol levels. But um, no, do you yeah, think so? No,
0: it no doubt had an effect on her, but you know, was it as bad as smoking or not wanting her or you know drinking alcohol or you know not not loving her when she arrived? No, no, not nearly as bad as any of those things. <laughs>
1: right 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 right.
0: yeah in the grand scheme of things no doubt I, I I've i i try to make it up every single day by you know teaching her to read and giving her enriching environments
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that's going to be perfectly sufficient <laughs> Rebecca <laughs> she's, yeah
0: she's a beautiful little girl and she's kind and she's engaging and yeah I'm definitely one of the luckiest luckiest mothers around
1: yeah, for sure. All right. Are there are there any references or anything that maybe you'd like to share with the listeners perhaps for somebody going through IVF or or anything similar that you've gone through? Well, I I was
0: part of a group called Fertility Friends which is fairly well known about, but that for me was amazing because nobody nobody gets it like the people that you went through it with um so i was you know there would be groups of you know november cycling under dr gorby kind of thing and because i went through a lot of extreme and weird um because i had immune issues immune infertility, and you know the people who've had their husband's white blood cells removed and injected into their arm you know it's not the kind of thing you can just chit chat with anybody on the streets about yeah, <laughs> so right. you kind of want to find your tribe of freaks um and despite the fact they become in some ways very painful relationships because some of you will succeed and some will fail um, yeah there was a girl I went through it with um who's ended up having twins and I would say very unfair because she already had two boys <laughs> just, she had two boys and then she went through IVF again because she'd had no time for the first time around and you know she's she's ended up with twins, and for a while that's so painful um mm-hmm. but i you know i still I still really value the the people that I met and the support that they were able to give me so by whatever means, I think you have to when you're struggling, you have to find a tribe who are in the same place as you because. Yeah, all those super fertile friends who oh we accidentally had unprotected sex last week and, and look little Johnny's come along oh I've got a friend here yeah who so, said so, oh every time we every time we accidentally do not and um, that's how all of them were born and we just had another one and I just want a fourth and I'm like and I'd just like to strangle you and stab you three or four times in the heart yes I'd love to hold your baby <laughs> yeah I can I can it. see that. There's another yeah. mother at the school who went through the same freakish immune. She was like, I was oh, you're so IVS. Oh, yeah, I'm so IVS. Where did you go? I was at ARTC and Dr. Gorgi." And she's like, ah, I was also at Dr. Gorgia. I was like, oh, you, did you have the lit treatment? Yes, I had the lit treatment. So even even now there's still that resonance with
1: your tribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just finding, finding the people that... That understand and that are going through the same don't, thing
0: don't, don't punish yourself with the with the set of three who accidentally fall pregnant every time they look at their husbands.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm one of those rebecca yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry about that yeah well, your husband is, is very potent i understand <laughs> yes yes very very much so <laughs>
0: Oh, and you goodness. are an Earth Mother welcoming all into your womb, whereas I just basically exactly. them every time they arrive.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. All right. So, and, and anything else <laughs> you'd like to share before we round this off? No. No. <laughs>
0: no I think I think that's I think that's a great note to end it on. <laughs> your super fucking husband and my absolutely beautiful embryos. <laughs> <womb>. <laughs>
1: All right, thank you so much, Rebecca. This has been great and very amusing. So nice talking to you. too. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. Thanks again, Rebecca, for coming on and sharing your story with us today. If you are listening in and you would like to reach out to Rebecca with any questions or anything, then please do feel free to send me an email on the nine months podcast at gmail.com or you can also head to the website nine months podcast.com and fill out the contact form there and i'll make sure that she gets anything that you send my way towards her now, if you'd like to share your birth story with me, I'm starting to record again soon. So just reach out to me through the same channels, either on the email or head to the website, which again is 9 Thank you guys for listening in. Leave me a review or a like or anything. It really helps me with the ratings of the show. Have a wonderful week ahead and see you next week.